Welcome to Whole Mother. This is KPFT Houston, 90.1 FM, HD1, and HD2. I'm your host, Pat Jones. Whole Mother is a voice in our community which educates and informs us. There are many decisions to be made out there as a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, neighbor. Whole Mother believes that we need to always make our choices out of rational thinking. Choices that are made through education and research, not out of fear, especially fear that is imposed by those who stand to gain by our choices. It is hoped that the education you receive on this show will contribute to changing the way we birth and the way we parent. All humans are born good. I've seen more than 3,000 babies come into the world, and I can tell you that there are no bad babies. There are no bad humans. All babies are born exactly the same in their goodness, their brilliance, their innocence, their curiosity, their ability to love and to trust. They're all born with the same delight in the world, and it doesn't matter what country they're born in, what skin color they have what language they're learning to speak, or how much money is in their family. We are all born with the same goodness. We all come into the world with the same potential. If that's true, that all humans are born without hate, judgment, shame, jealousy, then where do we learn those qualities if we're not born with them? Whole Mother is here to look at our parenting, which begins at the very first moment, probably conception. If we want to live in a peaceful world, don't we need to begin life in a peaceful world? If we want to teach our children peace, love, harmony, respect, don't we need to give that first? I'm very excited about our guest this morning. But first, I want to remind you that KPFT is listener-sponsored, and you are the listeners. I'm seeing that KPFT cannot continue to air this program while others fundraise to keep us on the air, that we need to do our part. We need $1,400 every quarter in order to pay for our show, Whole Mother Show. So would you help by contributing anything you can especially on a regular basis, so that we can bring you the education and information that Whole Mother brings to you, the truths about parenting, about birthing, the best information that I can find. Please go to kpft.org, donate, tip, join, whatever you can do. You can also call 713-526-5738. You can also email me at birthcare at AOL.com if you have suggestions for the show or you have suggestions for fundraising so that we can stay on the air. Raising human beings is probably the hardest and the most important job there is in the world. Parents need love, support, correct information to do this incredibly difficult job of raising humans. My guest this morning is Susan Wildens. Uh, 
I'm sorry, I didn't do it right. Our guest this morning is Susan Wilden. Susan was trained as a developmental and behavioral pediatrician, leaving medicine to raise her son. Susan started attending nonviolent communication workshops, also called as NVC. She started that in 2007, and then she became passionate about using and sharing NVC with others. Nonviolent communication gives Susan hope that humanity can learn to live in harmony, partnering with one another to meet the fundamental needs of all people. Already, you can see that Susan joins our philosophy and our goals at Oh Mother. She became a certified professional coach in coaching for transformation in 2012. She completed a year-long course in facilitation in 2014, both at Leadership That Works. Susan also served on the board of Houston NBC from 2011 to 2020. Her workshops can be found on the Houston NBC website, www.houstonnbc.org. And her website is www.wildens.net. Welcome to Whole Mother, Susan. We're so happy to have you and so grateful for the work that you do. Well, thank you very much. First of all, tell us, tell our audience, what is nonviolent communication? What's that about? So that's a, not an easy, an easy question to answer. Um, it was developed by a man named Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. He was a psychologist, and um, he uh, wanted to understand why some people were very kind and giving and other people uh, were not, or at least at times were not. And through his exploration of that, and he went all over the world and, and studied other religions and other cultures, and, and he came up with a set of, um, I call them, I would call them tools, um, ways to alter our, that we can use to alter our thinking and our behavior to um, move us into a, it, it, into a place. So on one hand, it's the tools. And on the other hand, it's the place we're going, which is a more, is a spiritual place, a place where we um, try to, Uh, maintain power with others instead of power over others and we try to um, get rid of our judgments and see people see their hearts see them as people rather than as uh, whatever name or label we would like to call them it goes on from there I mean it's it's got um, uh, worldwide following and um, many people around the world are teaching it. And uh, so, hang out of steam. <laughs> so, uh, what, what would it look like if I decided I wanted to know more about it? Uh, I would come to one of your workshops. Is that correct? Well, yeah. And, and the workshop that I'm coming up is a parenting workshop. So that one would be oriented toward parenting, but we will be covering the same 
material, the tools, and then working on how to translate that into changing our thinking and our behavior. Um, and there are other workshops that are more uh, general, not just for people who are working with little people, um, but, um, and they're all different kinds of uh, uh, approaches, um, but the same fundamental information is there, which is the set of tools that, and then this process of practicing so that we can use them mm-hmm. um, to change our lives. It changed my life. So tell us uh, what's an example of some of those tools that we might learn about. Yeah. So um, there are four main uh, items you want to think about when you're going to have a dialogue with someone. First of all is um, an observation. So our habitual way of thinking and speaking that we've been taught from infancy is to think in terms of diagnoses and judgments and demand. And and for this, we want to just observe what actually happened. So instead of he slammed the door, I might say he he closed the door and it made a noise. Okay. That's more accurate because maybe he didn't intend to, you know, when we say he slammed the door, there's kind of this implication there that he might have been angry or there's this whole story behind that. This takes the story out of it. If somebody um, says something to me that hurts my feelings, I might say he's rude. Okay, so that's a diagnosis or a label. Um and instead, I want to make an observation. And he says, he said this, and I noticed that I, my feelings were hurt inside. That's way different in terms of the, um, whether it connects us or pulls us apart. So that's another piece of it is the intention. What, when I'm wanting to connect with you, when I'm wanting to have a dialogue with you, what is my intention? If it's to get my way, do things a certain way, get you to do something, whatever like that. Um, that's not NBC. Even if I use the words we use in NBC, it wouldn't be NBC. If my, if my intention is merely to connect, to see you and, and be seen myself, and from that, find a solution that works for everyone, that's NBC. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like uh, that I'd be taking responsibility for my reaction. Yes, that, that taking responsibility is a big part, a big piece of nonviolent communication. Um, and it's very liberating, too, when you take responsibility for your own feelings, your own needs, your own actions, everything. Um, then, um, and you're not laying it off on somebody else, like, well, he made me do it. Right. Um, That's very liberating. That gives me the freedom to make a different choice. Whereas if somehow I feel locked in by my thinking, that I'm thinking that he's responsible for my feelings, then I'm not liberated. And I I don't have the... I don't have the option of changing that. He's in in charge of it. I can't change him. He he did it, you know, and now what am I going to do? So... That is second 
um, component of MVC or tool is feelings and our, we connect to our feelings. I, a lot of people were taught as children not to have feelings right. or that certain feelings were not acceptable. And so we shut down our feelings and that's unhealthy. As a physician, I can tell you that's unhealthy in many ways. And um, just it's unhealthy on our body to shut down our feelings. That energy goes somewhere. Um, and it doesn't help us create a more harmonious um, interaction if we are shutting down our feelings. So in nonviolent communication, we practice actually feeling our feelings and saying we can name them or name the sensations that they cause in our bodies. Um, and, and claim them. That's my feeling because my feeling comes from the third component, the need. So Marshall posed the idea that there's a set of universal human needs that everybody on the planet shares. And because we all share those needs, we can connect more easily around needs. So we, um, we need food, shelter, uh, air, water, those obvious things. But we also need um, love, compassion, clarity, ease, peace, respect. So this, that's the kinds of needs we're talking about. So if I link my feeling with my need, my feelings come because my needs either are met or not met. So um, I always like to use the guy cutting me off on the freeway, which is not an observation, by the way. <laughs> but observation would be he moved into a space that um, was smaller than I would like. Okay. Something yeah. like that. Um, that would be an observation. And I feel frightened because I need safety and I need consideration. Um, so, when I say it that way, I'm claiming it. So he can't make me feel anything. I'm in control of my feelings. And by naming my needs, that gives me a lot of um, options yes. uh, for strategies to, um, to meet my needs. So, um, and that's that leads into the fourth component, which is requests. Um, requests is asking someone to help you meet your needs. And we say it's, it's a request, not a demand, which means we're also willing to hear the word no in answer to our request. Because I have other options. This is just one option for meeting my needs. So that's the four components, observation, feeling, needs, and requests. And we can use them in three ways. One way is um, self-empathy. Just connecting with myself and understanding when that guy gets in front of me in the freeway, whoa, I'm really feeling, you know, and really getting in touch with what's going on inside of me instead of uh, shooting the finger or whatever else I might be tempted to do. Um, and uh, keeps me out of trouble. Uh, and also, when I can tell a little story one time, 
I was with a group. We were, you know, we had some responsibility and we were trying to sort out what we wanted to do about something. And people made an agreement. And the one person who wasn't there came back and said, no, we're not going to do it that way. And the rest of the group, in my non-MVC word, caved. <laughs> you know, they caved into that pressure. And, um, and but I didn't realize, I just was upset about it. And I took me a while to figure out why. And when I sat down with my needs list and went through need by need and say, was this need there? Was this need met? Was this need met? Um, 27 unmet needs <laughs> from that situation. And once I understood that, I was able to kind of come up with a proposal and, and discuss with the group why I had been upset because now I understood. Uh -oh. Oh. Okay. Um, now I understood um, why I was upset and I could, you know, share that with others in a way that was constructive and useful. Um, the second way you can use it is with empathy. And I find this to be so powerful. Um, and empathy, I mean, that word gets tossed around a lot nowadays. And it has different meanings for different people. And in MVC, empathy means being in presence with another person. You know, being very present and hearing them and trying to understand and maybe reflecting back what you're hearing them say in some way, maybe sharing what needs you think they might be needing, needing you know, having or whatever. Uh, it is uh, a very powerful tool. And an example of that um, is my son when he was 11. He's much older now. Um, he came home from school very out of sorts. And when I said we were having pea soup for supper, he had a, a big fit. And I thought, I mean, that's one of his favorites. So, I mean, I thought this isn't about pea soup, you know. So finally, I was relatively new to NBC at the time. And I took me a while. And I finally said, oh, I'm going to do empathy. So in the meantime, he's yelling and he goes, I never get any choice. So I say, you really like a choice. And he says, yes. And he sits down and eats the pea soup on another <laughs> word. And uh, I mean, you know, that was obviously at school, something had happened that where yes. he didn't feel like he had choice. Yes. And it was really important to him mm -hmm. at that moment. So that's an example of very short empathy. <laughs> very <laughs> good. Go longer. And then the third way is by sharing what, what's alive inside of us. What? What, is, what, 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 are, what am I feeling? What am I needing? And what can you do to help me with it? What, what might you do to help me with it? So that uh, is called honesty in our lingo. And, um, and in fact, Marshall Rosenberg called it scary honesty because when you do that, you're making yourself rather vulnerable. You have to be prepared. It takes a lot of self-empathy to do good honesty. You have to be sort of um, emotionally prepared, internally prepared to get take whatever comes back and to be able to stay in self-empathy or empathy when you hear it.
So, so that's the quickie summary. So uh, could we take the that and now apply it to the heart-centered parenting? Uh, like I'm a parent and my child is having lots of outbursts, feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, well, I would just say, first of all, I mean, I'd look into myself and see, okay, why is this bothering me? What is it bothering me? You know, am I feeling helpless? Is that, am I afraid that something's going on with my child, that I'm somehow failing them? Do I have a, a judgment in myself going on? Um, am I afraid something's wrong with him? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm having a judgment of him. Um, so just really sorting myself out first, because if I don't do that, I mean, I don't know where I'm going to be coming from. Um and when I'm doing that, as I'm sorting all that out, I start to have, I can start to imagine what might be going on with him, what might be going on. And so then I can maybe make an empathic guess and say, are you feeling frustrated because you'd like building with blocks to be easy? You can say yes or no. I don't know whether that's true or not, um, but that might be it. And just knowing that I cared enough to try to figure out what was going on with him is enough. That even if I get it all wrong, (laughs) the the fact that, um, that my needs matter to my parent. So mattering is a big piece. um, That's a big need. I I sort of, this is my personal belief that it's at the base of all needs is that we want to know that we matter, that our needs matter to other people and um and as, and for little kids too you know everybody mm-hmm. so um i once heard a uh, a video of a young man he was about 13 at the time whose mother raised him in nbc and um and he said you know even if i didn't get what i wanted i always knew that i mattered Mm-hmm. And every time I hear that or say that, I get like all these goosebumps and shivers and stuff. I mean, it, it's obvious my body knows that's really important. And so many of us were raised uh, with a parenting style that said that our feelings didn't matter, that yeah. we were, you know, Older people like myself, we were raised with children are supposed to be uh, seen, not heard. Right. Uh, you know, stop that now or give you something to cry about, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't cry I'll give, or I'll give you something to cry about. Yes, exactly. Not, you know, wow, she's in pain. Yes. Maybe I need to find out what's going on with her. That's a really different approach. And um does it mean you'll never have trouble with your kids? You'll never get frustrated with them. You'll never get like, oh, I've got to get out of this house. No, that doesn't, that isn't what it means. Because no people are always exactly what we want them to be. Nobody is. And neither will your children. And we're always having feelings. We were born having feelings and we continue to have feelings. Right. (laughs) And they're incredibly important and so underrated. Yes, that's right. Yes. And there's so little listening to our feelings. 
Yeah. Even we don't listen to our own feelings. We're not, we're, we're trained away from that, you know? And, and so I did not have that experience as much, you know, except maybe in school, but with my family, I, we, it was okay for me to feel what I felt, but in other places, not necessarily. So, Mm -hmm. um, so how did you get drawn into NBC? Oh, my goodness. Well, I really came at it from a social justice standpoint. Um, I was um, interested in social justice. And, and um, I went to it, one, because I thought they were going to be talking about, like, nonviolent action. Right? And uh, so when I got there, I was like, what is this? <laughs> but over time, I realized that, oh, yes, this is, this is exactly what's needed. It doesn't matter what your issue is, you know, whether it's racism or feminism or, you know, uh, abortion or animal care, caring for animals or whatever. Um, At the core of it is you want to be heard and you're speaking for someone who maybe doesn't have a voice and, you know, and this gives you a tool, a a way and a, a way, a practice to accomplish that and of course I've always loved children that's why I went into pediatrics and uh, so (laughs) that's natural for me to want uh, you know children to have that especially and um, and to my mind anyway if we can if fewer children um, have their feelings denied we don't have to undo that later Right. They can go into the world with the tools already and know how to resolve things without getting into violence of any kind. Yes. Well, when they push those feelings down, they can't have them. Mm-hmm. They're going to come out in other ways later in their life. Energy has to go somewhere. I keep yes. saying that. It has to go somewhere. Uh, well, let's tell the audience just a little bit. You have a workshop coming up. Tell the yes. audience about that workshop <laughs> and then and then let's talk about heart-centered parenting that you'll be teaching and how yeah. that's different. Okay. So though I have heart-centered parenting workshop coming up. It is online, so you don't even have to be, you don't even have to go anywhere. You just have to have access to a computer and and uh, Zoom. And um uh it's eight weeks starting February 12th and ending April, April 2nd on Sunday. Those are Sundays from 1.30 to 3.30. And what we'll be doing in the first part of the session is going over some of these basics and understanding them in more depth than I gave here. <laughs> and then doing some practices in the second part. Uh, even all along we do practices but especially in the second part we try to apply them to our own lives and our own experiences i i decided you know almost like role plays i'm hope that's what we're moving toward is being able to do role plays because i've noticed that the understanding that comes from a role play mm-hmm. is uh, has a lot of power mm-hmm. um you said why heart centered? Why? What? How is that? How's different? it different from 
like well, traditional well, I parenting? bring to it some of my knowledge as a developmental pediatrician that I have understandings of what children are capable of at different ages and you know what what say their their job is at certain ages that the job of very young children is to play that's how they gather information about the world you know and so on so um, because I understand that I can bring that into our understanding of the children that we're talking about Also, uh, sometimes, I mean, you can't use the same exact language with children, especially younger children, that you do with adults. They won't understand what you're talking about. So you have to, um, you know, to um, simplify a little bit. So there are some differences. Um, that You know, things come up that uh, maybe wouldn't come up in a in a one where we were just talking with adults about interactions with adults. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds to me like learning ways of asking your children when they're having an upset, mm-hmm. uh, uh, key words to ask them so that they can, you, the two of you together can help to yeah. identify. Um, yeah. Actually, in general, I don't say like, what are you feeling? What are you needing? Because a lot of times they don't know. Even adults, they don't know. They don't have any idea what I'm talking about. So instead, I make a guess, an empathic guess. Like, you know, are you feeling disappointed because you really wanted to go to that party and you really wanted to be part of the group, part of the community? You know, well, they, they then that helps them. And then if that's not right, at least it gets them into the um, into the uh, idea of where we were. It gets them into their heart where they can find the answer themselves of what it is. You, you didn't cut the sandwich the way I wanted you to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you really, you really like things to be the same because it just makes you feel more comfortable. Is that what's going on? Um, so we call it heart-centered parenting. Where did that name come from? Well, um, to my, this is, I believe that what we call our heart, which is also an organ for pumping blood, but it's also what we call the part of us that cares about others. And we want to be, do we want to be you know, uh, coming from our mind, from our anger, from our um, labels, from our demands, or do we want to be coming from our heart, from our love of the child when we're interacting with them? And I don't, I really don't know any parents. I've never met a single parent who would rather be coming from anger than from their heart. They just don't know how to do it. Right. Or they have some leftover feelings from when they were that age. Yes, that definitely affects us. That definitely drives our own behavior. So so a lot of times we're examining ourselves and understanding. um, I'm so reactive about this. What is that about? Oh, yeah, well, maybe it was when I was a kid and my parent got on me about this and they beat the heck out of me. And um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm just wanting to protect them. I don't want anybody to beat them up. Mm-hmm. And that may be where it's coming from. A lot of times it's coming from fear. 
when we get angry with people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or it's just coming from that place where I really wanted to have my anger when something like this happened and I didn't get to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us about domination and partnership systems. What is that? Um, those words came from, uh, I got them from a book by Rian Eisler called The Shallows and the Blade. And she talked about the way we organize our communities or our, our societies. Um, and there's sort of two main choices. One is a domination system in which there's a hierarchy. And some people are above other people and they have power over other people. And some people are underneath and they have, other people have power over them. And, um, and the goal of the domination system is for the people on the top to do well and doesn't really care very much about the people on the bottom. And maybe it's also to create some form of order. And that's what why people kind of like it is because when there's, you know, a policeman pointing a gun at you, you're not likely to do something that uh, would hurt other people. So you know, that's order. Um, And a lot of people feel very frightened when there's not order in the world. And uh, the partnership system is about um, working together, that everybody is equally valuable and at working together to um, make sure that everybody has what they need to survive and to thrive. We're not trying to create amass large fortunes or big power over some other country or that kind of thing. We're just trying to make sure that Joe Schmo can feed his family and have meaningful work and, and, you know, some degree of happiness in his life. Yes. And there are, it's not, it's not a pie in the sky dreams. There have been, and there are currently societies that operate more in a partnership fashion so so some tribal societies so um, it's not impossible and um, yeah when when bad things happen I I just find myself with this repeating phrase it doesn't have to be this way it doesn't have to be this way yes we've made choices that cause it to be this way and it it just kills me to think we could have avoided it. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, I agree. You know, I, I feel like all humans are born good. Like I said, in the introduction, mm-hmm. it's just what happens to those humans after they're born that creates, you know, what they do and who they become. Yeah. It's, yeah. So yeah, the, the neuroscience is now really starting to understand that the, the impact of trauma in our lives and i'm not talking necessarily about major trauma even small traumas you know like mom saying you're not angry you're just bad right okay so that's that's a trauma yes can't you do anything right yeah can't you do anything right that child is not seen that child is not appreciated that child does not feel like he has unconditional love and that's a trauma Yes. And that they're extremely powerful and influence our behavior for years to come. Yes. That's right. 
Yes, this is, I think this is uh, very important work. Uh, uh, it's a, say a little more about children, why they need to know that they're valuable. What happens when they don't get that message? Well, they want, they, they keep trying to see some way yes. to get appreciated, to get seen even. Um, I mean, Kids grow up in circumstances where nobody pays very much attention to them. They kind of get lost. And and at an extreme, they go out and uh, with a gun and shoot up a lot of people, yeah. and which we've been seeing a lot of lately. Yes. And um, that's one of those things that triggers that phrase. It doesn't have to be this way. Yes. Could have paid attention to that person years ago and made sure that their needs were met. Um, this could have been avoided. And uh, so instead of when I hear on the news and say, oh, this is an evil person or they, um, they're they a criminal, they're a perpetrator, they don't deserve to live. You know, I see a person in who's been in a lot of pain for a very long time. Yes. And I think seeing that is going to be more constructive toward ending the behaviors than labeling them, criminalizing them, putting them in jail, killing them. Right. Many years ago, I heard about a tribe where uh, when someone did something bad, they put that person in the middle and they all made a circle around that person. And they they told that person everything good about them, compliments yeah. and what they had done well and what they liked about them and da 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 da. Yeah. And, you know, I really got it, you know, how different right. that mm -hmm. would have been. Yeah. Than to That's... be told to go to your room and stay there till you can do act different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, people that their their thinking is people get alienated from their own true nature, which is a good way of putting it, I think. And um, and they're trying to bring them back to their nature. You used a word a minute ago though that I want to I want to talk about. Uh, you said something about compliments or praise. Oh yes. And um, Marshall Rosenberg came to realize that we think of compliments and plays as good things, and we actually use them to manipulate children's behavior, um, which I have a problem with anyway. And, you know, rather than understanding it, you want to manipulate it. So, um, but the um, uh, praise and compliments are actually judgments. You're so smart. You're such a good girl. And it puts kids in a funny place, like maybe, um, you know, they, they, they might keep doing what you want them to do in order to keep getting that because it's something good, but it's not, near, <coughs> not nearly as powerful as being truly seen and understood. Yes. Because they may be thinking in their minds, I'm not so smart mm -hmm. or, you know, so-and-so smarter than me. You know, and if, if it's being smart, that's important. Well, I'm not as smart as them. You know, they may actually backfire at times. Yeah. Um, if I don't so do it this way, then that means I'm not good. We don't use praise and compliments. We use celebrations and appreciations. We appreciate someone for something that they did and tell them how it enhanced my life. 
you know, thank you so much for putting your dishes in the dishwasher. That gave me a few minutes just to rest my feet. And that felt so good. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we try to avoid judgments of all kinds because they don't always have the impact we would like them to. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. And would that be true also of other human beings, like adults, from adult to adult? Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, trying to remember. Um, there's a book by a guy named Alfie Cohn. He studied education and, and things. And, and um, Marshall Rosenberg was a big fan of his. And he has one book called Punished by Rewards that if if we're taught to do things for a reward instead of for the internal, all all children, all people are born with an innate sense of wanting to help other people. There have been studies that show this and um, in very young children. And, And when we give rewards, we move that motivation to the external world we move it from internal motivation to external motivation and external motivation isn't um it sometimes works works to influence people's behavior but not that much (laughs) people start to realize they're being manipulated and they get kind of resentful and all that so um better that I should want to do a good job because I have internal pride when I do a good job. I feel good about myself when I do a good job rather than because you're going to give me a bonus. More sustainable, I guess, is the word I want to use. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you if NVC empowers, but I think you're kind of uh, saying that. Yes, it's very empowering. It gives me control over me. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, again, I said by not ceding control to other people by saying, you know, you made me angry. Well, who has the power? I want my power. I can be, I can choose to be angry. I can choose not to be angry by going inside and understanding my anger, where it's coming from. And that's one way that it really helped me is um, I was angry a lot. <laughs> I was probably going to have a heart attack by the time I was 50, you know, because I just felt angry all the time. And I learned how to deal with my own anger and um, feel so much freer. And um, I, it's not that I don't get angry. It's that I know what to do when I'm angry and how to turn that into something that works to change things. How do you see that children are empowered using this method or theory? Um, well, one, one thing is that as a parent, parent, you know, in the domination system, parent is the higher, the power over, and the child is a power under. We start right from the get-go that we are power with you know, I'm sharing power with you. I want to understand what's going on for you. I want you to understand what's going on for me. And we're going to find a way to make this work for both of us. And um, there's a, um, 
a little story I got off a CD um, by Ian uh, Balakashtan, uh, who's a was an MVC trainer. She's no longer with us, but um, she told a story about her little boy. And in the story, she asked him, you know, uh, she said, would you do this or something else instead of this? Because it's waking your grandparents up. And he said, I don't want to, but I'm willing. He's three. And she asked him why. And he said, well, you know, it's not waking me up. In other words, it's not in my, I don't really care. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. You know, this is what I want to do. But I'm willing. And she so she asked him why he was willing. And he said, um, because I want to consider you. That's amazing to me. Yes, it is. It's just uh, a really good story. Yes, it's a great example. And so, you know, we don't we don't always get to do exactly what we want. Right. We have, but we can check ourselves for willingness. Am I willing to do this in order to help someone else? Am I willing to, um, you know, spend more time with my child, figuring out what's going on, rather than just punishing or rewarding? Because I think in the long run, where it's going to go is to our relationship. Yes. That's why when my son was 10 or 11 I, and I was getting going with NBC, I said, you know, I'm not going to make you do things anymore. I mean, maybe health and safety, I will do something, but other th- nothing else. And because I, I really value our relationship. Work it out. We're going to figure out how we can get things done so it works for both of us. Tell us more about that. How did that, how did that progress? And well, I, I don't know. I guess it's hard to say. We have a very good relationship, I think. I mean, you know, he's a young man and he doesn't, <coughs> he doesn't, he's, on, he doesn't want to give me a hug a lot of the time, especially in front of people. Yes. <laughs> but, you know. That but, will change. <laughs> yeah, it will, it'll get better. <laughs> but he, um, he's a, he's a good person. Mm-hmm. he cares about people and I know he cares about me yeah. and he knows I care about him. So back when you were first using this, um, these ideas and, and you said to him, uh, I'm not going to make you do anything. Would you be willing? Uh, was that difficult? Oh, I could, t- I, I do tell stories about it in my workshop. Um, uh-huh. um, one time he, I asked him if he would change the laundry from the washer to the dryer because I was doing other things. And, and he said, but I don't want to. And I said, yeah, I hear you don't want to. There's 10,000 things you'd rather do than change the laundry from one to the other. And uh, I said, but I didn't ask that. I asked if you were willing to do it in order to support me. Oh, and he did it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great example. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I bet he didn't always, though, did he? No. I mean, sometimes he we call it dogging for your needs. Sometimes it's like his needs were really important to him. He says, I really want to do what I'm doing right now. It's really important to me. And I go, okay, we'll see what we can do about it later. 
or something like that. So what would you do with your feelings when that happened? Oh, I take a deep breath and I check in with myself and say, okay, what is, what am I needing at this moment? What am I feeling? And, um, and quite often it, it wasn't just, you know, maybe I was disappointed because I would have liked that support, but also I was kind of amused uh, or inspired or something mm-hmm. by the way he took care of himself. Yes. Yes. And I, I knew I didn't have to worry about him uh, going along with the crowd, mm-hmm. doing what other kids did because they said, you know, you're going to be, you, you know, out if you don't do it or whatever, because he had a mind of his own. And that's actually a good thing. Yes. Yes. Still does. <laughs> and he, it sounds to me that you really taught him to take care of himself mm-hmm. and to identify what he needed. Right. And, and what he was willing to do. Yeah. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm very proud of him. I can see why. Yes. Well, uh, tell our audience a little about your vision of the world. How would you like to see things? Do you see, you see some hope and especially with, with these tools, if I yes, call them. and why I'm wanting to spread it because it, I mean, this is not the only game in town. There are other sets of tools that kind of go to the same place. So I don't want to stomp on anybody else's and say, this isn't any good. This is just a way to get mm-hmm. to a point yes. where we're in a, a situation where we care about each other. Yes. Where we can, um, where we see how uh, interdependent we are, how we, we need each other. Mm-hmm. We, we must create relationships and and live in community in order to survive and to thrive and in order to do that we need to have some skills yes Um, and you know every time anybody disses me shoot them with a gun is not a skill that's going to get us there yes that's an extreme statement we understand you know you know every time your kids misbehave yelling at them isn't really going to do much for um, helping them survive and thrive in the, in the world. And um, our anger doesn't change what someone else needs to do for themselves. Right. Um, Well, uh, tell us, we have a few minutes left. Tell us a little more about the workshop coming up and what advice that you might have for parents who um, are are wanting to support their children and um, a little more about the the course that's coming up. What will they learn? And Um, well, we're going to, we're going to do the basics, the four observation feelings needs request and get some practice doing those we're going to try self-empathy and empathy and honesty and get some practice doing those and we're going to try to spend some time in real time real world problem solving of our own issues it might not be an issue with the maybe it's an issue with your boss or your husband or whatever just to get the practice Mm -hmm. but it could be with your kids and um and uh, uh, but the but the real I think the uh, thing that we're most trying to do 
is to, first of all, open the door to this possibility of being able to think in this way and, the, um, and to uh, practice because this is, we, I had 50 years of practice in domination systems before I got familiar with this. More than that, probably. <laughs> but um, so uh, I needed practice in order to learn and, and be able to um, pull it up when I need it to be able to think clearly uh, respond about instead of react to be yes. choiceful about how I how I handle things rather than just pop off because I do have a temper. <laughs> So that the I I try to get as much practice in as possible, mm-hmm. and in a, in a we try to create uh, an environment where everybody is holding one another. Sort of trying to create a an, in miniature the vision that I have of caring for one another and trying to help one another progress. Your vision of the world. Yeah. It, you know, each time I do it, it's totally different um, because different things come up. Kid, people have different age kids. And one one session we had, we all had um, kids over the age of fifteen or something like that. So we were doing adolescents and young adults instead of children. It just happened that way. Um, and I learn, I learn so much from um, working with people about their own situations and 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 you know helping them learn how to deal with it in a different way um i learn so much very good people come up with such pearls of wisdom i can't even (laughs) tell you (laughs) yeah a a good example of uh togetherness yes it's supporting each other you know (laughs) it's true I, i love doing it partly because there's an as soon as we get going and start connecting around needs, there's this energy that comes out, mm-hmm. and it's it's totally palpable to me, mm-hmm. even on Zoom, even on Zoom I can feel it, and um, I and I saw every time I do it in the NBC I call it the energy spa. I've been in the <laughs> energy spa, <laughs> and I just soaked in this energy of compassion. Mm-hmm. That's great for two hours, mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah, I really, I do love doing it. So tell the audience again how they can find this course. It's coming up February 12th. Okay. Well, they can contact me at my website. Um, my email is susan at W-I-L-D-I-N-S dot net. Um, they theoretically they can go on Houston NBC, uh, but I think we're having a problem with the website. I checked it out just before we started, and uh, I'm ha- I couldn't get in. So HoustonNBC.org, if we can get that problem worked out, and um, and and if if they can't get in that, they can go to Susan Wilden's Susan at WildenS.net. Yeah, very good. And um, and contact me that way. Um, the website also there's a contact form through the website. 
So I should be able to get that, I hope. Okay. Very uh, some good. things got changed, and so I'm not uh-huh. even 100% sure it works. Uh-huh. I'm not very technically oriented, so I don't know. Um, well, um, if someone has a problem, you can always contact me also at birthcare at AOL.com, and I can try to help them get in right. touch with Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, any closing words? <sighs> closing words. Um, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, because there's never enough kindness in the world. Thank you so much, Susan. You're changing the world. We're so grateful to um, be with you on Home Mother. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. If you want to contact us, and we're always pleased to hear from you, our address is homemothershow at gmail.com. Or you can go to wholemothershow.com to hear previous shows. And today's show you can hear again on wholemothershow.com. Again, my personal email is birthcare at aol.com. Thank you to our engineer and production coordinators, to Eric, to EJ, to Edward. Thank you for all you do to help us keep the show possible. Thank you out there for listening to Whole Mother. I'm Pat Jones, and this is KPFT. Houston, 90.1 FM HD1, Houston Community Station.